Hope, the belief that what is desired will become truth. A feeling that looks forward with confident expectation. A source of courage in times of trouble. Each week, Damon Parker delivers words of hope to the Hope Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas, and to your computer. May you be blessed by words of hope this week. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 9. Now, when we come to this reading tonight, um, you need to know a little bit of the background. Uh, Elijah has been uh, doing his best to try to get the king and the kingdom of Israel on the path back to God, to Yahweh. And uh, it has not gone well. Um, But just before this, um, he's had a showdown with the prophets of Baal. That's that's kind of the story we a lot of us remember where he's alone out out there. He's got his altar. The prophets of Baal have their altar. Um, Baal, weirdly, never sends fire. Um, And then fire comes from the Lord and not only consumes the the offering, but everything around it. And the people kind of rise up realizing, hey, we've been duped. Uh, and they put to death the prophets of Baal, and it seems like, hey, a new day has come. Um, you know, Elijah, uh, the prophet of God, is now the one everybody's listening to. But almost immediately... Uh, the king and primarily his wife are determined to have Elijah killed. And Elijah flees. Uh, he's scared for his life. Um, and he goes and hides on a mountain and God comes and speaks with him. And uh, um, in this part of chapter 19, we hear the conversation. 19, beginning in verse 9, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah, 
to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Well, another year has come and gone. And I want to ask tonight, how much has changed? Now, I don't mean what is different. Because uh, I'm assuming there are lots of things different. Um, our church is different, right? I mean, we have uh, people here who were not here a year ago. Some because they didn't live here. Some because they hadn't joined our church. Some because they hadn't been born yet. Uh, who are here tonight? Um, we've had births. We've had deaths among us. Sickness, people who have lost jobs, people who have gotten new jobs. Uh, there was this little election thing that went on. Um, and all those things have made for things being different now. Okay? I don't think you can get to any new year and say, nothing is different. There's always something different. But what has changed Because see, change is something that happens inside of us. Now, for some of us, maybe this year has been a year of change. Maybe something dramatic has happened. Maybe there's that nasty habit we've been trying to kick for years, and this is the year we did. Praise God for that. Or maybe uh, this year radically altered your thinking about God or about life or about family or something like that. And you're a really different person than you were last January 1st. And if that's so, well, great. But my guess is, for a lot of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, I don't think I'm a drastically different person today than I was a year ago. Not drastically. I'm sure some things have changed about me. I hope I've grown in some ways. But growth and change are hard to see and hard to notice. Uh, every every Christmas when we go and, and visit my parents, um, my parents have a, there's a, a, outside of a door where as a child they used to measure me and my brothers and friends and stuff. I don't know why all these people got measured our house. but But next to it is now a different door where they measure their grandchildren. And so when you go there, and and you say, all right, you know, Barrett or Savannah, whoever, it's your turn, get up there and be measured. And my dad makes them take off their shoes, and they have to stand real straight, and he puts this straight edge on, marks a little spot. And you go, wow, they really have grown. They've changed. But over the course of the year, you really notice that. It's pretty obvious when you look at it on the board and you see, wow, that's two and a half inches. That's a fairly dramatic change in a human being. Wish I would grow two and a half inches. But we don't notice it. And I'm willing to bet for a lot of us, the way we feel right now is not drastically different than how we felt, what we thought. A lot of things are the same as a year ago. And I want to tell you tonight that I don't think that's necessarily bad. 
Now, I do believe that we are called as Christians to grow and mature and be transformed. And that is a constant calling. And sometimes that looks very obvious. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do, we had this thing called um, the library. I don't know if you've been to one. You don't really need it anymore, a lot of people think. But when I was a kid, I loved to go in the library at our uh, elementary school. And you could just pick any book you want out of the 12 we had. And um, But my favorite things to get were not, they had books, you know, that were kind of for your grade level or whatever. I like to go in the periodical section. Not because I was going to read a encyclopedia or something, but they always had a Guinness Book of World Records. And most of that is boring, but you could find a few really great pictures in there. Like 87 guys all on a bike. That was one of my favorites. Um, but the one we always looked at, me and my little friends, was this picture of the guy. It was two pictures side by side. And one, he's here. He weighed over a thousand pounds. And the next year, one is a picture of him in the same pants and he's got them held way out and you could put like four of him in there. Now, when you look at something like that, you go, ah, transformation, change, I see it. Oh, that's amazing. That's a dramatic change. He's a different person. But most of us, as we follow Christ, we can't just look back maybe to a year ago or a few months ago and go, wow, look at that. That's a different me. And it can be frustrating. It can make you feel like you're not growing, like you're not changing, like you're not being transformed. But I want to clue you into something tonight that's maybe different than you would typically get in a New Year's Day sermon. Because I want to help you see something that's hard to see. Something that I think is inside many people in this room. That thing is called faithfulness. Faithfulness is highly, highly underrated and undervalued in our world. We like dramatic. I mean, a guy who weighed a thousand pounds and now weighs 200, that's dramatic. We can see it and we go, wow, that guy has done something with his life. But someone who is quietly and consistently faithful doesn't make a splash like that. We don't hold them up and go, whoa, look at them, they've really done something. No, because in our mind, they haven't really done something. We rarely applaud the guy who just shows up for work every day. Right? Unless he plays baseball. Then for some reason we want to applaud him. My grandfather went to the steel mill every single morning at 4.45 a.m. No one stood there and applauded as he went. But he was being faithful. And there's a power to faithfulness. A power to showing up, to sticking with it, to simply putting one step in front of the other. There is a beauty to it, a God-given graciousness to being faithful. But faithfulness is hard to spot. I mean, think about Elijah, right? 
Elijah is up on this mountain. He's fleed. He's, he, he, he's afraid he's going to be killed. Everyone's after him, especially the queen and the king. And so he's hiding on this mountain and God comes and says, what are you doing here? And he, I, I like Elijah. I tell you what I'm doing here, God, in case you haven't noticed. I've been being very zealous for you. In fact, I'm being zealous and I am the only one. I'm it. Now, let me tell you what I think Elijah sees. Elijah sees, he just had a battle with like 450 prophets of Baal, right? So it's easy to see the unfaithful. He's just had a a confrontation with the king and his wife. It's easy to see the unfaithful. And what Elijah notices is, you know, if you're walking down the road and somebody's got an Asherah pole in their backyard, it's an idol, you see it and you go, oh, I guess I'm the only one left following God. But notice what God says at the end. There's 7,000 who haven't bowed a knee to Baal. But see, Elijah can't see them because faithfulness isn't necessarily obvious. It's not, you don't go, oh, faithfulness. Oh, look, there it is. Ah, yes, being faithful to God. No. See, while Elijah's out on this mountain feeling alone, there's a guy plowing his field with his son and talking to him about following God. And there's a woman in her house, and she's got a little fire going, and she and two of her daughters are making bread for her husband and her son when they come in from plowing the field, and she's talking to them about what it means to love the Lord. But that doesn't stand out. They don't do news reports on faithfulness. And so Elijah feels... Alone. Because faithfulness is hard to spot. Those quietly going about their business of following God, loving their neighbor, refusing to bow to evil, they're not easy to see. In fact, Jesus even makes it worse. Jesus says, if you really want to be faithful, then you need to pray and do good things, but do them in secret. So no one knows. In other words, the most faithful people are the ones you are least likely to see them doing faithful things. That's what, that's the system Jesus wants set up. Hey, you're gonna do some act of kindness for somebody? Don't let anybody know. Hey, you're gonna pray and worship God? Then go in your closet and do it so nobody sees you. Well, if people are actually doing this, they're really hard to spot. Right? I mean, I'm sorry. If if you're seeing somebody praying in their closet, then you have a problem. Okay? And so, that's what that's what the faithful are called to be. They're not called necessarily to be splashy and make a show of their faithfulness. Rather, they are called to consistency, to constantly following after Jesus in every path of their life. You don't notice the guy who, when the lady at the store accidentally gives him too much change, he quickly gives it back. That's not noticeable, but that's faithfulness. So my goal tonight is simply this. I want you 
to do two things. I want you to be able to see faithfulness, but I also want you, and this is probably the harder part, to love it a little more. So let me tell you a couple ways you might see some faithfulness. Uh, I, I chose this because they're not here. Because that seemed like it had to do that for this sermon. Did you know that every week, Jonathan Stinson delivers Meals on Wheels? You probably didn't know that! Yes, I've just outed Jonathan Stinson by for doing good works in secret. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something that I know about, about Jonathan Stinson and his faithfulness. He's done this route for years and years and has become friends with some of these people. There's a lady on this route, an older lady who's had a lot of problems. He's gone and done work at her house and even helped her get a car. But you didn't know that, did you? Because the faithfulness doesn't show off. It's hard to see. Um... I think they're in the other room, so I'll be real quiet. There's a guy. I, 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 everybody look through that window right there. Just look there. There's a guy doing hand motions. Now he's standing with his hands on his hips. He was just doing hand motions. There, oh, he's going back. More than someone's head. Now, here's the thing. That's John Kaczmarek. John and Shannon have a daughter, are in the process of fostering and possibly adopting a daughter. Shannon is pregnant. And they're in there teaching little ones. If anybody does not need to be in there teaching little ones, it's them. Like, they should be on a break, but they're not. They're in there teaching little ones. You know why? Faithfulness. Faithfulness consistently putting one foot in the other, in front of the other, to try and follow God right where He's placed you. No one, I, I have not seen a news report on KTAB here in Abilene about how John and Shannon are changing the world, but they are. Through faithfulness. You see, we want to splash We want the press to notice. We want something big to happen. But the Gospel calls us to follow Jesus right where we are in the situations we are given today. One of my favorite writers, Eugene Peterson, um, when I was in college, I was given this book to read. You know, you're assigned a book, which makes it never as good as if you just picked it up. And the title... It's one of the worst titled books ever because it's a long title. You should never have a long title for a book. It's long, but glorious. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. The title of the book is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. The subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society. Listen to what he says. We live in what one writer has called the Age of Sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different. That we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. 
Worship, for instance, is an act that develops feelings for God. Not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. When we obey the command to praise God and worship, our deep essential need to be in relationship with God is nurtured. Do you see what he's talking about? Too often, we look at faith or following Jesus as something like, I have this feeling I should do something great today, and we go out and try to do it. But he says, no, no, no. You do the things because that's what leads to growth and change in the feeling. You come and worship not because you feel like worshiping God, but because worshiping God will make you feel like following Him. Listen to this other line. It's my favorite one from the book. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. But there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. See, I'm convinced, and I really am convinced, that if Jesus came, if He came to us, just like He came to those disciples 2,000 years ago, He came and He said, David, come and follow me. My first question would be, well, how long is this going to take? I mean, I'm with you, Jesus. I think the world needs to be changed, and I want to be changed, but can we do that in 90 days? Because that seems like, otherwise, maybe we need to try something different, right? Move on. Think about what Jesus did. In three years of working with the disciples, what did He achieve? Almost nothing. At the end of it, they all ran away. That's what He achieved. What Jesus did in three years with those disciples is lay a foundation where they could grow for the rest of their lives and become who they were intended to be by God. That's a slow walk, man. That is faithfulness. What Jesus had that I think I don't is He had a trust in God's faithfulness to be there no matter how long this path took. That God was going to do the transforming even if Jesus couldn't see it today or tomorrow or the next day or the next day. That God was at work in those guys. And that someday it would pay off. I'm sure Jesus hoped if He was anything like us, and the Bible says He was human, and so if He was like us, I'm sure every morning He got up hoping, this is the day Peter gets it. This is the day Peter gets it. Oh my goodness, it's not the day Peter gets it. (laughs) Right? But inside of those guys, God was growing faithfulness. Think about what Peter said and what John read earlier when Peter said, everyone starts abandoning Jesus because he starts talking about hard stuff. And Jesus says, what about you guys? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where can we go? Who else has the words of wisdom? Now, Peter is a few chapters later going to deny Jesus. Let's don't pretend like this is the grand epiphany of all epiphanies. But it's a moment of growth. It's one more step forward for our friend Peter. You may want to make resolutions this year, and if you do, that's great. I am all for it. I make the same one every year. 
It's very simple. My goal this year is to not step foot in the Mall of Abilene. Um, I make it every year. I all I I come close, man. But what if your goal, rather than changing this thing or losing that weight or whatever, when those are good things, do those things. But what if underneath, your goal was to continue the journey? To take a few more steps. To dig a little deeper. To trust a little bit more. To be that much more patient than you were that last year. To, to have a little more compassion than you used to have. What if our goal, instead of trying to be something different, was to become more of who we were intended to be, the faithful people of God? Now, it's not going to get headlines. And, and there's a good chance that if you write down, my goal this year is to be faithful, and then, you know, a month from now you're going to look back and go, well, I don't know. It's kind of, I've been trying to follow Jesus, but I don't, it's kind of nebulous. I can't really, it's okay. It's okay. It's not going to look obvious. It may not look obvious this year or next year or ten years from now. It's not going to look obvious. As a matter of fact, it may not look obvious until the day Jesus pulls us into His arms and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithful. It's what Jesus is looking for. It's what He wants us to laud in one another and honor in each other. I want to change the world. But maybe what God is calling me to do today is to control my temper towards my son. It doesn't seem grand. It doesn't seem miraculous. It's just plain old faithful. When I was a kid, uh, I had a few places I really wanted to go. I really wanted to go to Greece. I was really into... Greek mythology and stuff. I just thought that stuff was cool. I'd want to go see a bunch, I don't know why, a bunch of old busted down temples, but thought it would be cool. And I had other places I wanted to go, but one of the places I really wanted to go was Yellowstone. It just sounded awesome, like this other planet, but on ours. Um, my family, some of them got to go, and so of course they didn't take me, but, um, but, but I was amazed by this idea that there could be this water, hot, steamy water that could shoot out of the ground. First, that's just cool. Okay, that I don't know why, but it just is. But the idea that basically every hour on the hour or so, there it came again, was incredible. Right? I mean, I grew up in the when I was a kid, Mount St. Helens blew up. And like no one saw it coming, right? And that's kind of how we think of volcanoes and that kind of stuff. You can't ever predict it. Earthquakes just happen. But here was this event, Old Faithful, they called it, that could just spout water every hour on the hour. Like you could literally say, hey, uh, we got, yeah, we've got five minutes. Let's go over there and see this thing spout water. And it would. 
I thought that was unbelievable. I'm sure it's not all I thought it would be like to stand there. Oh, there it went. Okay, let's wait an hour. going to happen again. No, there it went. I'm, I'm sure it's not as exciting as I thought it would be as like a seven-year-old, but but here's what I want to encourage you tonight. Don't sleep on consistency. We undervalue the person who's just faithfully consistent. We undervalue them. The one who just always shows up. The one who always brings a meal. The one who always says hello. The one who's always there. The one who never fails to greet you. They are not showy. They may not do a lot of stuff that we think is amazing. But those moments of faithfulness, that consistency is Shaping our hearts. Tonight, five hours from here, there's a church meeting where I grew up. Uh, Some of those people, if they saw what we did tonight, would flip out. Just be honest. But you know what? Some of the same people that would flip out every week. Every week from the time I was a baby until I graduated high school, taught my Bible class. And made sure that the air conditioner was turned on. And filled up communion cups. And emptied communion cups. And made sure that someone was stock, you know, helping the nursery and someone was taking care of, uh, that, that lady who needed help in her wheelchair. They were all, they, they were faithful. And they deserve our honor. Because they helped make me the person I am. Because they faithfully followed Jesus and asked me to do the same. So tonight, in your heart, honor the faithful. The faithful in you, the faithful among us, and the one who is always faithful. For more information about Hope Church of Christ, visit HopeChurchOfChrist.com. We trust you've been blessed by words of hope. Take this hope now and be a blessing to others. This podcast is copyright Hope Church of Christ 2012.